Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is the Distraction Pieces podcast. I have slowed down my talking because I can't remember what number podcast we are on. But I'm looking it up on my phone as we speak. And this is, of course, it's number 31 because Danny Wallace was last week with number 30 at the big 3-0. We are now 31. And we couldn't have a better guest. We've got Eddie Temple Morris, one of my favourite people and, and someone with an amazing story story believe me there's a lot you didn't know about this guy um before we get on to that though uh, a quick little sponsor there um speech development records it's my record label please support the podcast by supporting the label we got a lot of good stuff on its way with b dolan's album out this year but there's something that you could get for just a fiver so say you've listened to five of these podcasts they're free um you could go on speechdevelopmentrecords.com and get my edinburgh fringe show which is um an hour of spoken word and kind of stand-up, kind of, or me talking, essentially, which is what you listen to here. So hopefully you'll enjoy that. Um, and it's just £5 for the digital download. So if you've listened to more than five, you're getting them all. In fact, no, the digital download being a fiver is a bargain in itself. It's a gift in itself to get 60 minutes of that entertainment. So that's the one that I recommend this week. Obviously, we've got DVDs there. We've got the DVD of the Edinburgh Fringe Show, which has got music videos, interviews. In fact, the kind of the first podcast I did... A sit down with Kate Tempest, Moose Rock, Wonga, and Polar Bear. That's an extra on the DVD. It's a video podcast as such. So check that out. Um, yeah, I'm going to introduce my guest, Eddie Temple uh, Morris, next. Um, I'm going to be back at the end to talk about a few bits like, I mean, oh, no, I'll say thank you now. The exposure we've just got in on BuzzFeed, in The Times, in The Guardian, just all sorts, has been amazing. But I'm going to go into the podcast now because Eddie's just turned up. So let's do this. That's not a problem. I've got spare <laughs> tissues if needed. Um, well, that is a, a wonderful introduction to Mr. Eddie Temple Morris. Yeah, well, yeah sound, hopefully sounding sexier than normal because I've, had, I've, had, I've basically had the worst cough I've ever had in my life. And yeah. I've, had, I've had this chest infection for like 18 days now. And it's I know crazy. that because like, it started two days before a placebo gig. And I remember that that was two weeks yeah. ago yesterday. Yeah. It's crazy. I got an, a weird arranged this a while ago and I was, I was talking to you last night and you were saying look I don't think it's going to happen man because you were feeling so rough yeah. and, and not that I had hardballed you but I was like well you know I, I'm aware particularly when it's people I know and love well these things can get put off really easily if you know what I mean if we'd said let's do it in a week or two it mm. might have snowballed so I kind of pushed harder and then unbeknownst to you um, I got the worst night's sleep I've ever had last night um, I, 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 I laid awake for hours and hours and then the one point I remember being asleep I was dreaming about being awake in my bed and so literally it just oh, f- f- and the reason in the reason I remember that is I was like I, I was felt I was laying awake in my bed I looked over at the window and the window was slightly lower than the window is in my bedroom hmm. and when I realized that it woke me up. So, so it's kind of the second I realised I was asleep, I was awake again. Oh, so no. as I was laying well, in bed this morning, I was thinking, well, I'm sure Eddie's not going to make it. And then you kindly text saying, I'm going to dr- 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 drag myself in. And I had to pause before saying, 
let's just leave it. I'll stay in bed too. But I'm glad we've both we've both dragged ourselves from our potential sick beds. Yeah, to, I've, uh, I've, I'm, to do I'm this. really feeling you, man. And I've I've done some of my best shows um, on zero sleep, and I'm yeah. a real. I've become a real expert in insomnia. Actually, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah, I, yeah. Uh, In 2013, I averaged eight hours sleep a week. Wow. And so why you know why were you not sleeping? I haven't I might, a clue. Have some good, good tips for you. I haven't a clue. I've had some really good sleep uh, lately. I think I was feeling a little bit just just a run down and burnt out. Anyway, so I think that just I just added to it because I um, years ago when I had some some hypnotherapy f- for my my speech impediment, mm. um, they taught me self hypnosis, and I've always found that really good for insomnia. Mm. Um, again, partly the realization that as long as you're laying in bed and you're kind of at peace it's better than being up and about, if you know what I mean. So yeah. if, you, if you stop panicking about trying to get to sleep, if you're like, well, I'm aware I'm in bed, you know, it's okay. I've done tours with B. Dolan, who we've mentioned numerous times, mm. who snores like a trooper. <laughs> and I've shared with him and just been comfortable with the fact I'm going to get two to three hours sleep a night and that's it. Um, but yeah, I, I do a thing where I, um, it, it was part of the self-hypnosis to make me a calmer person in general, which is generally good for stutters because a yeah. lot of it's anxiety. So I do a thing where... I do a breathing thing, so I'm re- I'm relaxing each part of my body, and then I um, imagine hang gliding, um, and you start at your house, and you have to go at a slow pace, uh, looking down, um, c- kind of anywhere you want. Uh, so I normally go along past where my mum lives, and then up along a, s- a South End Road. A little insight to my to, to my uh, living here past. Uh, a few schools and things like that. And I think the idea there is similar to counting sheep. It's keeping your mind busy enough mm. to not be thinking about all your woes and, tr- and, tr- yeah. and troubles and issues, but it's monotonous enough to, to hopefully send you to sleep. And in yeah. general, I don't have an end destination because then you'll panic that I'm almost there and I'm not asleep yet. So I generally, I'll go along and I'll generally drift off. But last night, for some reason, I think I was, I was feeling a bit hot and cold and just as you Sometimes know i didn't think i could focus you, on that yeah you need you need to, you need coolness and you need yeah. a lack of light and you need um no noise yeah and and then ideally to have you know no stress and no yeah. anxiety yeah. or no fear you know yeah. fear is a, is that's the dream. mind killer and the sleep is the sleep killer yeah yeah completely i mean there's a lot we want to i want to talk to you about and i normally kind of start at the beginning and things like that but i think there's too many things that you that you're passionate about and we're both passionate about to have such a linear narrative so while well, we're non-linear mavericks exactly we? exactly <laughs> so, so, <laughs> so so whilst we're kind of on the whole sleep deprivation type thing um i think it leads to depression and and and, and, and mental health issues and things like that and we've both worked a lot with calm mm. so being aware that a lot of people with podcasts can comfortably get through the first hour and drift off by the end Uh, let's go right in at the start and discuss uh, 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 some of the work that you've done with calm and Hmm. with with general with mental health stuff and and things like and any yeah anything you'd like to discuss or share on that yeah yeah well i'm really glad you've got in at the straight in at the sharp end i mean why not because yeah no that's that's really really brave of you and 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 i'm you know i'm on record with you and publicly saying that i'm a massive admirer of of yours for that reason and people like you and 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 i'm talking about john mcclaw from reverend of the makers uh through to nadine shah and mike skinner and rob harvey from the music and from mike's band you know all people who are um brave enough to talk about mental health and to sort of take away this taboo and this ridiculous uh, notion that silence is strength and and, and, you know people people who know me know that I'm that I've that I work for Calm. I'm honoured to be 
uh, well, I say work for, you know, I'm ne- yeah. I'll never ever invoice them. Yeah, but, work with, but, you know, we promote, support yeah, and, you know, and, and work with. And uh, I'm the chair of their of their music board and, and, and I got involved with them as everybody that gets involved with, with Calm um, because uh, it was a, a personal thing that happened, you know, and uh, it's only, it's, it's people who know people who have committed committed suicide who end yeah. up you know you, you talk, it was very interesting your chat to, to Danny Wallace I've got I'm really feeling that guy I always have done yeah. it it was a very interesting chat you had about charity and about the pressure and you know I, I've never done and will never do a, a, a nice bucket challenge yeah. you know I, I, I work for you know the two unsexiest and most unsupported charities uh, in pretty much in the UK you know charities that that, that can't uh, that can't afford to have people to pay people um, to wear bibs and stand outside Brick in tube station and try and get me to, to, to give them money and actually fuel the divide between rich and poor. Yeah, and um, I, I, I think when there's a personal interest in investment, it means all the more. I, I often explain this. I have people hit me up um, on Facebook and on Twitter saying, can you retweet this about a, a thing I'm doing for charity? And I kind mm. of have to say, if I retweeted all of them, they would all get ignored. Because yeah. that's just how we are as people. If there's a constant flow of them, they'll all get ignored. So I choose to only ever talk about the ones I'm personally invested in. Therefore, people will pay more attention to that because yeah. it's coming from a heartfelt place. And I always say, if you're doing a, this charity, this thing for a, a, your little brother who's ill, it's going to mean so much more coming from you than from me. me. Me tweeting about it, I may have more followers, but there's not going to be that connection. Whereas you tweeting about it to those who know you and and know what you and your family are going through, it's going to mean so much more. So, yeah. yeah. And, and Calm, I mean, we've, we've not really explained. It's, it's a charity for... Um, or trying to address the fact that the highest um, killer of males uh, between, I think it's, it's 18 and... And 47, and 47, I think, something like that. Is, yeah. is suicide in the UK. Yeah, and it's yeah, such the, a... It, men have a problem talking about these things and and discussing it all. Yeah, well, what I find unacceptable is that you and I are four times more likely to kill ourselves than yeah. our mum, our sister or our yeah. girlfriend. Yeah. And, you know, that's just unacceptable in this whole sort of, I mean, f- you know, man up thing. Five, six, seven with us personally, with our, our, our social lives. Yeah, and, there, you, yeah there you go. <laughs> so, um, yeah, and, and, you know, this is... This is brought into focus by you know, how I got involved with it. I mean, yeah. I, I've, I've had several people uh, over the over the years um, who have taken their own lives, but the one that that, um, that hit me the hardest uh, and most profoundly, and uh, it was just horrible the way the, the way I found out about it. I was actually live on air on XFM doing my show, oh, wow. and I was playing um, I was playing a, a, a mix of uh, Losers, of the band that I'm honoured to play bass for, and uh, by Uela Swimming Pool, and yes, I was just I was just queuing it up, and then and then suddenly I get I get this torrent of messages going, Eddie, 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 have you have you heard you know have you not heard? And 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 then you know so I'm playing the record, and and then and then the news comes in that that uh, that dear Charlie had, uh, had had taken his own life at Puckle Pop Festival, and the whole sort of horror of it sort of unfolded while I was live on the air, and and I just had to uh, you know, and I I just had to deal with it right yeah. there. Yeah. And then, and it was it was uh, it was awful. And, and then um, uh, Joe from the band, who I'm very close to, uh, got me to uh, preside over Charlie's wake oh, uh, wow. because, of course, they had their. Um, you know, I was on record as saying that they'd made the the best electro pop debut album 
of all time, yeah, possibly. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, uh, you know, better than the human... You know, it, it takes a lot of bands, you know, to get into their second album to really, you know, get find their stride like the Human League or of whatever. Of course, yeah. And they absolutely smashed it out of the park. But, of course, they, they couldn't do their album launch. You know, their lead singer had, had, had died. So they brilliantly got Tremendous. all these different bands to do each do a cover of, uh, of oh, these wow. songs. And then and I linked them all together, you know, at, at Coco. And that it was there that I got to meet this amazing woman, Jane, Powell, yeah. who, who runs Calm, who, you know, our mutual friend. Yeah. And, and, you know, she said to me then, what's the biggest killer of men, uh, you know, uh, of young men in this country? And, and, and I went, well, surely it's drugs. And she goes, no. And, and I went, well, OK, well, car crashes, bike crashes. I was trying mm. to, you know, yeah, I was really yeah, thinking. Very specific and, and, and she goes, no, if you, had, if you had drugs, cars and bikes together, you wouldn't even touch you know the fact that it's actually the men themselves, and yeah. and that, that that just you know blew me away, and and the, you know then she explained that you know she ran this charity and that um, they had so little money that she couldn't afford to uh, put a stamp on an envelope after getting a, a message from the police in Liverpool who were saying we've got all of these kids just dropping like flies yeah, yeah. And, and what do we do uh, and she couldn't afford to actually put a stamp on an envelope and send it just send, send them some it's literature crazy, isn't it? uh, they couldn't afford to have a phone line uh, or anything like that certainly not yeah. one that's, that's open all the time and so you know I just started fundraising and awareness raising for them and yeah. uh, and and you know and you know that that it's through the support of people like you yeah uh, that it's it's got a lot better, you know. A lot, the, the awareness has gone through the roof of, of this issue. It really has, and it's building up. But it's still, it's such. I, I find it such a fascinating and misunderstood thing. Again, I also have a, some personal uh, experiences of this. I, I lost a dear friend who his his taking of his life kind of. I, I, I thank you in everything I've ever released because I feel it motivated. I felt a pressure to work harder and do do better because mm. he wasn't around because we were into the same music and into the same stuff. So it was a strange um, motivation in that respect. But I find it fascinating that people, that there is any taboo whatsoever over counselling or over seeking help or over talking to people. It blows my mind that that is, it is this strong, silent thing, the the stiff upper lip in, in Britain it's ridiculous because people don't realise that we're not designed and never have been to handle all the trials and tribulations of life on our own. You mm. know, in cavemen, there were communities and there was far more everyone helping each other. There were shaman, things like that. that mm. That's that's counselling. You'd go to yeah. the shaman for advice on what on what the future holds. On what or That's counselling. That's not knowing what your future is. Yet we see it as a weakness to seek help and yeah. to seek advice, which it's, it's one of the oldest things in, 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 in human history. And you think of the toughest people you can think of. It's cavemen and Vikings and things like yeah. that who would all go to elders. And the, the fact that community was such a way back then, you would regularly seek advice from elders and from other people like that. We don't have that now in community. Yeah. So the equivalent of that is trained counsellors, people like Calm, people like the Samaritans. I think the one problem or issue I have with all of these things is that it saddens me that in a way Calm and the Samaritans and all the different kind of charities in that way and in a way rivals for like it'd be great if there was just one universal here's the phone number if you just need help and then but again it'd take funding but then yeah. then we can put you through like the same as you ring 999 if you need, if you've got an emergency, they then put you through to who you actually require to talk to. I dream of a time when that's the case with uh, with mental health. If you mm. wish to talk to someone about um, 
domestic violence, abuse, depression, suicidal thoughts, that you can have that access and that, yeah. And yeah, that and, and that access is, is uh, getting harder and harder. It really because is. We've, well, we're under a Tory government, so obviously, you know, yeah. they, 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 um, they are the uncaring party. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, uh, talking to... I mean, I, I, I went... I was in therapy myself, and I talked about this to... to um, the, the the guy who was analysing me and he was saying you know how how uh, money stricken they are and how yeah. uh, you know how difficult it is it took months and months for me to to get seen and uh, yeah. it, it, it's it's becoming you know increasingly difficult the, the cuts in that sector are absolutely devastating it's so inaccessible it's so hard to find the right people in the right place in the right area that are accessible to you as an individual or when you need them because of the cuts in those areas and because of the lack of funding and support, I guess, from, mm. from on, a, on a national scale. But, um, yeah, I do, I, I, let's, we shouldn't sort of get bogged down too much by politics, but, I yeah, did, but I'm really glad that you've, you've mentioned this because, I, you know, I looked at, uh, you know, looked at your, your list of podcasts and stuff and it's, it, it's, it's, it's an incredible um, vehicle for men communicating yeah. what you're doing. And yeah, it's mostly completely. men. I mean, you've had a, you've yeah, had a, you've been, had a few yeah. girls in there and, and you will have a few more, I'm, I'm sure. Yes, indeed. Um, but, it, you know, it, it's, it's, a, it's a great metaphor for, for, for something really important, which is that we need to talk more. You know, we need yeah. to communicate more. I, you know, I, I, often, I, I, I just, oh, I've always said this. I said this at Charlie's Wake. You know, I, I just said to the, uh, to, the, to the crowd, I said, look, on your way home, you're going to be with someone, most of you, just... Um, Talk about something that you normally never talk about, yeah. or if you if there's an awkwardness between you, if there's something that's been on your mind, you know, just just talk about that and see how we'll see what happens with that. See yeah. how much better you might feel the next day. You know, if it, just something that you've never mentioned before. Even just it might not be a problem, but just talk about something that you've never talked about before with the person that you're going yeah, home with. And I had an absolute tsunami of messages the next day from people saying, "You know what? I did that yeah. and this happened and my life is so much better for it's it beautiful. now." And it, and and um that's it's just so simple. Nobody kills himself while they're talking to someone. Yeah, the act of talking and Saying stuff out loud and offloading, people don't realise how powerful that is. There's a fascinating thing. Um, my mum is a, a Samaritan and works on, mm. on the Samaritan's hotlines. And one of the things I found most fascinating when learning about that more was that at the end of every shift, there's someone always on who's at home, who the people who've been on the hotlines that night have to ring to offload. And it's just, and again, it's not to go into detail if that isn't appropriate but it's to say here's what you know happened tonight here's what we went through mm. and that's because again it, it, until i heard that it blew my mind that people can sit there that you, you know the strength of people at calm or at the samaritans or wherever to hear you know often these horrific things and then just go back to their lives but the act of having to ring someone else to offload it and say here's what's you know here's what happened here's what we've been through it's therapy in itself. So thinking of that, of just someone hearing about these things, so the act of speaking it when it's your own issues mm. and problems is is a massive deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and um, I tell you what I found incredibly interesting, Pip, was when um, when I hit rock bottom end of 2013 and uh, I got into a situation where I I had a suicide plan. You know, I wanted to die. Yeah. It was plain and simple. And I, and I knew how I was going to do it. I knew where I was going to park my car. And, I, I you know, oh. I, I had this whole... Uh, th this whole thing. I, um, I, I'm one of these uh, often anno annoying people that w when somebody says, how are you? I just unload straight away. Yeah. Like it yeah. happens on the steps, just, just out of side of the studio where we are. This 
lovely guy. He's probably sitting where... No, he's not there. Uh, is he? Neil. Neil's <laughs> Neil's there, yeah, he's just Neil, come back. Neil goes, uh, he goes, how are you, man? And uh, round about this time, and I went, shit, absolutely shit. Um, yeah. and, and he just was stunned. You know, it was just like... Uh, he gave me this look like I was only like, like being nice and, and, and I just went to the studio and and I remember feeling just awful um, that he had made such a nice gesture to sort of say, right. how are you? But of course he was he was just expecting the stock yeah. uh, male reply of, I'm fine, thanks, yeah, no I'm matter right. what. Yeah, I'm all yeah. right, fine. Um, but uh, I wasn't. And so I, I said I wasn't. And um, and I sent him an email just going, mate, I, I'm so sorry that I uh, that I did that. I'm just, I'm having a real, I'm having some real problems at the moment. And and, um, and I and I just, I'm, I'm very honest. I've always been yeah. very yeah. Br- brutally honest sometimes. And, and I'm really sorry if, if, it, if it wasn't your nice gesture wasn't returned in the in the spirit with yeah. which it was given, yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh, and he was so nice. He sent yeah. me such a sweet email back, and um, and that focuses on what I was going to say, which is that during that time, I when people and that's somebody I don't even know really, Neil. Yeah. You know, but it's lovely work colleague. But you know, when actual friends, you know, would say, "Hey, how are you?" You know, I go, oh, you know, just awful, really, really bad. And I st- and why? And then I st- I talk about it, and then. And I, and I talk about my own sort of mental health and stuff, and and then I found out horrifically that about nine out of ten of the men that I talked to had either tried to commit suicide or yeah. were uh, on happy pills or had been on happy pills and, and been de- de- depressed or walked into A and E thinking that they were insane. You know, all of these things, you know, had happened to yeah. me, and um, and I, I, it was just staggering the amount of people out there that have mental health issues but then don't talk about them. Don't talk about it. I had my mate, my mate goes, you know, I tried to commit suicide two times and I go, but I don't want to say his name, but I like, I went, mate, like, why the hell didn't you call me? Like, I didn't even know. And he was like, oh, you know, you know, and, but of course I knew the answer is because when you're in a hole, you can't see the horizon. You don't want to, you don't want to, you feel as though you don't want to burden people with your, with your problems, but they absolutely want you. It's not a burden. They really, they're there. Your friends are there for you and they want you to open up to them. And I have become so much closer with so many people through that and and I and I, you know, I almost thank the universe for um, throwing me into that uh, awful situation that, that I was in, and and um, because it's made me a much stronger and and much more empathic person. And it's so important for people to know how regular and human it is to have these 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 worries and these and to get into these places. The fact that you are someone who had worked with calm, who knew. About all of this, you you still found yourself at that point. It's not like you were ignorant to this. You were aware of the pitfalls and aware. The fact that you found yourself in that situation means it's so regular for anyone to to find themselves in that way. And equally, it's so achievable to pull themselves out, despite yeah. it not seeming clear at the time. There is always those those moments that that light at the end of of the tunnel. I had there's a story I've I've never actually told on. Or, or, to, or, or to anyone really uh, certainly not publicly obviously I've got a few songs about self-harm and suicide and things like that so I've always had to be particularly um, keep a good eye on my emails and Facebook messages and make sure if anyone is hitting me up in need on that subject um, I respond at least I'll generally say dude just so you know I'm a regular dude 
are from Essex. I'm not I'm not qualified, but there are people mm. there to help. But um, there was a time a while ago, and it was early th- the days of Twitter, and I didn't have a smartphone, and and you used to text tweets to Twitter, mm. um, and I text. I texted a picture to the Twitter number, which put my phone number on Twitter. So for a brief time, my phone number was out there to the public. And so a few nights later, I'm in a pub um, in a working men's club with my girlfriend at the time and her her parents. And I got a phone call um, and I answer it. And I'm pretending I'm not me, basically, because at that point I was getting a lot of people ring and I was like, no, it's not. And I'd said, oh, no, I'm his brother. Um, I'm Pip's brother and all this. And... um, the guy said, um, I'm just ringing you to say that Magician's Assistant um, has kept me alive for the last month, but I'm ringing you to say I've decided um, to throw in the towel tonight, essentially, that um, I'm going to take my life. And obviously at that point, I'm stunned. I, I, I go outside. I'm kind of in a weird situation where I'm caught up in a lie because I've been, been until he said this, I've been telling him for the last minute, no, it's not Pip, mm. it's his brother. I mm. just sound like him and all this. So I go outside and I I, I, I talk to him. And again, I say, look, um, obviously the essential part is, is everything like that is your own choice. But I would say, you know, speak to the Samaritans, speak to to someone who can help. And he, he, he kind of mentions the, that he was meant to be coming to see me um, in Leeds on a tour in in a, a month's time. So I kind of said to him, and again, it's that thing of seeing through that dark point. I kind of said to him, look, I don't know your situation, but what I would say is, and again, this is kind of getting weird and technical, but the tickets only went on sale recently. The fact that you've bought one already means at some point you felt there's something to live for in the future. I'm not saying the gig is something to live for, but mm. at some point you thought that far ahead. You thought yeah. I'm going to be there. So, you know, a, a whatever your choice is, you know, I hope I hope I see you at the gig. And that gig came about, and I dedicated a magician's assistant to him. Haven't heard from him. Hadn't heard from him at all. Um, and I got a message a week or so later from one of his friends saying that he was at the show. Um, and didn't want to get in contact because I know I don't know that that's a huge vulnerability to put, to put yourself out mm. there in such a manner. Um, and he was at the show and decided to to not uh, uh, not go through with it. But yeah, it's such a strange human thing to. I just high five you. Go through. Yeah, it was it was a very it was, it was bizarre to then return to a social situation because it's like that just straight out of nowhere experiencing that. So yeah. Yeah, it's 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 such an odd and such a human, a human thing to go through and to experience. It really is, and and it really it just it just happens to all of us. And like you you, before, your very moving story. You know, you you touched on like um, going through something like this. You know, makes you understand this this issue more. And and absolutely, I I I had worked for uh, worked with Calm for a, a long time, and always been sympathetic, but never been properly empathic. And, yes, you know now I can I can properly empathise and, yeah, and you and really that's understand. A strong, that's from a being really that's a really strong position to be. The in. Well, I mean, a few people will be listening and thinking, "My God, they've started heavy." Um, so, <laughs> yeah. so, so so let's brighten light, straight up. Yeah, lighter than the tunnel. My, We've now got that one out of the yeah, way. Yeah, should we talk I've about jumped, now? <laughs> I've, I've looked at my notes, and my introduction was meant to be that you are the man responsible for the beatdown and therefore responsible for this podcast because it was you that hit me up and said, "Look." I think you should. I think there should be a hip hop show on XFM, and I 
dodged it for ages. I kind of said, oh, I'm on tour and all this kind of thing. And you t- twisted my arm and kindly yeah. took me under your wing and showed me how to, to do it, essentially. And we made the promo, the, 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 the pilot episode t- together in the studios here. And you kind of p- put me together with Dan, who Dan Rido, who produced it. And yeah, so thank you very much just initially for 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 making that happen and that that existed Mate, initially well you know you know me like I, I i i'm um i think history has proved that i'm i'm good at seeing potential and yeah. uh, and then uh and then helping that potential yeah. you know uh, i just i i knew obviously because of what i do you know i do the remix and i always felt under massive pressure to to you know support especially uk hip-hop and i yeah. and, and i you know i feel a lot of the artists in that genre but of course it's it's a whole world, you know, and and I only have a, a certain amount, a small amount of time per week to sort of represent, you know, electronica. Yeah, and of and course. I always and and I really missed that all city hip hop show that yeah. uh, Zane and uh, Theo, who is now Fake Blood and uh, yeah, yeah. and uh, Fat Lace, was it uh, Dan? Uh, Dan uh, Greenpeace, yeah, Dan Greenpeace, well. the yeah, Fat yeah, Lace yeah. crew, and all that, and Duncan were doing, and I and I and uh, I thought that um, you know, hip hop I've always seen as as uh, as folk music and 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 uh, as urban folk music and therefore you know i felt that there was a terrible hole in the xfm schedule yeah. for, for that music and and i thought and of course me being me i i, I thought well the obvious choice to present a, a show on hip-hop and spoken word is um a white man from essex with a speech impediment of course i mean what, <laughs> what more natural a fit could it be <laughs> well in all seriousness i just you know i just i knew that you were exactly I mean, in all seriousness, that was the, absolutely the right choice yeah. you know, for, for the XFM audience. It, a white, what is more XFM than a white boy from Essex? I like, mean, I mean the, the beautiful thing there is I didn't see it at all until I started doing it. Like, I didn't have any desire, particularly, until I started doing it and realising how amazing a medium a radio is. I mean, I'd obviously always listened, but it wasn't something I particularly saw myself doing. And getting to have that opportunity and go, wow, I'm playing a lot of stuff for the first time that's you know stuff that's never been played on on the on the radio in the UK before sometimes on the radio in the world before yeah and suddenly it was like right it it was that that huge moment where it's like right because it had never appealed to me to have have my voice on the radio that just wasn't something I didn't think oh I want to be a presenter mm. And that's all I thought of in my mind as a radio show because of being such a fan of your presenting style, Zane's presenting style, John Kennedy, although you all play, I, I don't know, I guess I overlooked the fact that you all play amazing and important mu- music and saw the fact that you're amazing presenters. So, you know, I, I saw it as a presenter thing r- rather than going, actually, there's a lot of important music that's getting overlooked and to to, to have the opportunity to put that on commercial radio was was huge thing and I, I felt hugely g- g- guilty for not jumping on that opportunity earlier yeah you know that that what focuses uh, what you've just said for me was the fact that Angel Hayes first play ever on yeah. UK radio was on my show but it wasn't me it was you when yeah. you came in to co-host it yeah so you know I'm surprised that it didn't it didn't occur to you back then that yeah. you'd be a great radio presenter and, um, I mean that was it because we discussed again in the pilot Angel Hayes has got a song that's a hard listen called um a trapped in the closet um yeah yeah that's yeah that that's um the only song 
Or cleaning that, out the closets. The, yeah, that's, cleaning that's out the closets. her cover yeah. of cleaning out yeah, the closets by Eminem. There's only two songs that, that, that I've, there's four bands that have made me cry, weep by playing yeah. live, but and there's only two tracks that have made me cry just with the coldness of a CD yeah, yeah. and that was one of them that was and, right. that was, and, and, and when we discussed doing the show I was like I, I want because it's it's a subject about um, her abuse mm. when she was a child how she was abused and it's a very tough listen I can completely understand why it couldn't be played on a lot of radio shows but my argument was she's speaking truthfully as the victim so by censoring that it's it's yeah. saying in some way that it's that she's that done something wrong and the situation of course is hideous and wrong but she if she chooses to speak about it she should should be allowed to and that was kind of the beatdown was a vehicle to get to a point where we could play that essentially yeah. you know we had it in the pilot but it was felt that putting it on the first show would be too much you know we needed to build the audience first and ready the audience that we're going to be playing more you know controversial stuff and and edgy stuff um and yeah i was pleased when we got to play that and the yeah. the reaction from from the uh, from the listeners and everyone to hear in su- such a uh, uncomfortable but powerful piece was yeah it meant the world but i mean you know if i think of xfm i think of you and i think of john kennedy um <laughs> Let's just talk about the remix for a while. How <laughs> important and intrinsic, and how long that has been been going. I remember um, a, a late nineties to early two thousands, and it's probably something you cringe at now. But I fell in love with the mashup through the remix. The, yeah. the remix birthed the mashup, and too many DJs and things like yeah, that. Absolutely. It was all coming out of 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 the remix, and that was particularly. Until that point, I hadn't been able to get into anything re- remotely dancey. I'd been a metal kid, a punk kid, or a hip-hop mm. kid. Um, you know, at that point, I'd imagine I'd watched the Chemical Brothers at Glastonbury whilst on Peels, and I still didn't get it. I still, <laughs> I still didn't get dance music. So that was the level at which I, just, I wasn't going to get dance music because... <laughs> If you're ever going to understand it, it's then. And I still didn't, didn't yeah. get it. And it was it was the 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 clunky art of the mashup that kind of opened it up to me. That, that put yeah. those things together and and that allowed was... me to get into that kind of that genre. <laughs> I'm, I'm, well, I'm really glad that you said that, Pip. And I and that that echoes. You know, I've, it, it happens a lot. You know, at gigs or in at nights that I do or whatever. People come up to me and they go, "Thank you so much for." Um, Making me like dance music, yeah. or, or 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 the other way. They might go the other every now and again the other way round. You know, like I was I was a total dance music head, and now I'm I'm listening to um, White Lies or you know somebody well, like that. I mean, <laughs> people won't instantly realise, but I believe you gave first place to Kasabian, to River oh, yeah. and the Makers, to yeah. Plan B, to Justice, to Simeon Mobile Disco, yeah. to <laughs> an endless of list of yeah. you know yeah, hugely I, important people felt, that aren't just in the dance area. You yeah, know? yeah, absolutely. Well, I you know I, I was always about the the area of you know the grey area where of between dance and and rock and. Um, yeah. And uh, I was speaking to our, so our, our mutual friend and colleague Liam Owler about yeah. this. So obviously, you know the Prodigy occupy that amazing space where they can headline a dance festival Almost and headline so. a, a, a heavy so. metal festival. Yeah, and and that's you know that's where my head's always been at. It's that that grey area. And also, I wanted to demystify DJing. You know, I wanted to that whole mashup thing came from you know obviously DJs. Did their own mashups, and that's what we did. That was yeah. that was our, our fuel for our sets, and um, 
and you know we did them with, with vinyl and, and, and all that it was just like live but yeah. then of course as you know computers came in and, and computers and the internet were just really starting to bite in in, in the year 2000 when the remix uh, started on XFM and uh, and I remember that there was this uh, this free bit of editing software called Acid that uh, Sony right. put out so I used to I just used to put this link out to people and, and say look here's the free software this is how you do it There's, these are you know there are acapellas on everything from you know like Missy Elliott's latest single whatever the Timberland produced one yeah. that's got an acapella on it you could just put it on any you know you can you just put that on a, on a drum and bass beat because it's about you know it's about 160 170 BPM yeah, yeah. and you're laughing like, that's how you do it and uh, and then I, and then all that? of these people started doing it and they, all these sort of bedroom mashup crew and um, and you say and you know you talked about the, the, the kindly as the remix sort of being on for a, a long time and yeah it was it's 15 years old this crazy. this month actually April April 2000 it started and um, it's almost and, legal and yeah and, uh, and I'm celebrating <laughs> it with a party and I'm getting I'm getting 15 DJs to the, um, DJs or producers or bands to to come up and to rock up uh, and just play a, a couple of records each in this sort of long mix, which I'll then put out on the show yeah. uh, the next week. And and in in putting the lineup together, I discovered that one of those uh, bedroom mashers, the freelance Hellraiser, co-produced one of the greatest debut albums of all time, the London Grammar record. Oh, really? Yeah, I mean, I already knew that, like, Garrett wow. Lee, Jack, Jackknife Lee now, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, and he yeah. was one of those. You know, he was just, he was the guitarist from Compulsion and his big claim to fame was... was Compulsion. Was, yeah, was that, yeah, he was the guitarist in Compulsion. Wow. And so, and so he turned up bleary-eyed one one day um, after just, his wife had just had their first child and he, he turned up all red-eyed just going, oh, Eddie, I had some time out of the studio and I, I've done this mashup for you of Eminem and it was an amazing... Amazing, amazing mashup yeah. that he reconstructed, cleaning out my closet, yeah. and um, made it into a rock song. And of course, I play it on a rock station, and the phone lines go into meltdown, and everyone loves it. And 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 that led to to more production for him. And then he ended up producing, co-producing U2, and uh, wow. producing uh, Weezer, and uh, like a low and Snow Patrol was what you know really yeah. really uh, sort of um, yeah, catapulted of him. But then it was so beautiful to hear that the freelance hell. Razor was is now a producer and and produced one of my favourite debut albums of all time. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely amazing. So it's you know it was just great demystifying that whole thing and then and then you know helping to to incubate some real talent. There's there's probably loads more out there that that yeah. just gave me. I'm, I'm always you know I'll I'll play a track by someone and then they'll go oh mate thanks so much for playing my track. You actually played one of my mashups like ten years ago. Thank you so much. And that that's yeah. what sort of that that's what lit the fire. And I've carried on producing, and I and I've and I'm getting really good at it now. And thank you for for first sort of you know giving me the encouragement. It's that weird thing, isn't it, of finding that thing that makes it that seems doable and accessible, and a, a, a general track produced. You can't see the parts if you're not already a producer, if you know what I mean. Whereas a, a mashup, you can go, all right, yeah, I know, yeah. I know how that goes. <laughs> so that can be the perfect entry level to yeah uh, to doing that kind of thing yeah 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 it was fantastic I, I, there was one beautiful moment where i had three generations of a family give me a mashup and oh, it was wow. a, a great great moment a little a kid his dad and his grandfather yeah. had all done a mashup yeah the mostly shit yeah, 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 <laughs> but, yeah, but it was yeah, a beautiful yeah. moment yeah, i played yeah, one yeah, of them yeah, just because yeah. it was just such a great moment they're all in there that's beautiful <laughs> I, i've always enjoyed um 
the mixes on on your show too. I always remember Akira the Don getting his. Is it a twelve minute mix? You you yeah. Ten, when, oh, that's uh, the, the, when no, there was the minute. challenge of the ten minute mix yeah. to get and and Akira was proud to have the record at the time of getting the most. He did. Songs. Yeah, it got that that record got shattered. It was you know, of course it was the hip hip hop cut up guys that really you know used yeah. to. Um, uh, uh, break the records with that but now yeah. that record stands at the most, the most ridiculous 250 <laughs> 250 <laughs> elements of songs in 10 it. minutes yeah you're talking about the all time top 10 which is where yeah. I get, yes, I get a, a, a band or a producer to um, think we all have a list of our of our you know top songs of all time yeah. so I just give them yeah. 10 minutes to squeeze in as many as they want to or or can yeah. into into ten minutes with ten as a minimum and there being no maximum and it's been uh, it's been a, it's an amazing feature and uh, you know everyone from Chase and Status right through to I think it's Jazz Stepper who um who have that ridiculous uh, yeah. the ridiculous two hundred and fifty record it's a mess by the way yeah, <laughs> it's a total it mess un- unlistenable the, the, the best <laughs> the best one ever ever was by Stereotype um who were uh, Chris Screwface and um, Schism yeah. um the uh, the the owner of um, uh, and head of A&R of Never Say Die Records. And uh, they just had, I think it was 38 tracks that they put in there. But it was amazing. You know, at any yeah. one time, there was always three tracks playing, you know, Rage and Daft Punk and the Chemical Brothers playing at the same time, in once. time and in key. Absolutely brilliant. Brilliant, brilliant. I, lo- I love that. I mean, um, so, I mean, we mentioned um, uh, Liam Howlett a little while ago there. Um, you came up when um, I had Zane on the podcast and we were discussing the sh- the the almost embarrassingly short list of people who can present a radio show you know and kill it and actually DJ live like you know again that's not an insult to anyone at all but there's a lot of people who have radio shows but and then just play CD or play songs mm. that they would play live whereas Zane yourself and a handful of others Annie Mac there's a, a few can really tear it up live um and you've DJed opening for The Prodigy and for Pendulum and people like that. So how, what kind of came first, the the, the DJing out or, or DJing on the radio? Um, again, you're one of the uh, uh, shows that it, I was overjoyed when first going into a lot of radio shows and coming to yours and seeing you had decks set up and you had stuff that you, you know, you were going to be doing stuff live as well at, yeah, at points. Always so, mixing live on the yeah. radio. Yeah. Um, uh, well, that comes. I mean, the the parallel between uh, myself and Dear Zane is, uh, and and people like that is that we're musicians. We we were musicians first. You know, yeah. Zane was in a hip hop crew in New Zealand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Before anybody had ever ever heard of him here, and uh, and he's a musician. You know, he's he's a and, and now he's producing. He's um, uh, I'm sure he'll and he'll win awards for that. So yeah. you know, I was a I was a jobbing bass player. I was a I was a I I joined a band that was signed to RCA when I was 19 or oh, wow. 20 years old or something. I, I went to an audition for these childhood heroes of mine. Um, I was in the non-successful side of the family tree of the cult. Right. And, um, oh, so wow. I, I went to an audition to, to, uh, that was um, uh, I, I heard about through my mate um, Nige, who ran Shady Deals Records in Putney, yeah. and he heard that there was this, oh, you know Aki and Buzz from Southern Death Cult having this audition because you know getting the fear. I think they're splitting up, and you know Barry and B are going to form another band, and so there's a the opening there for a bass player. So I went in, I, yeah. I, I went in, and um, that was my first showbiz job. You know, I was I was on the dole just stoner living in Fulham and uh, and um so you know I, yeah I, I've I've played and I ended up as a session bass player so I um I oh, played wow. bass in lots of different bands and um and I was uh, you know a jobbing musician uh before I decided that um 
I got to a point where I I got asked to play bass for this band called Johnny Hates Jazz, and uh, and I and I remember thinking, oh, I can't face telling my mates that I played bass for Johnny Hates Jazz. It's just <laughs> too too soul destroying. So I turned the it was a it was a tour. I turned down the tour, and um, and then and I, I remember thinking, I'm so skint and I, I'm just so broke, and I and I'm just waiting for the phone to ring, and then it, it rings for the first time in months, and it's fucking Johnny Hates Jazz. Um, like there must be. A, a, something else that I can do yeah. so I, I I moved into I just thought uh, what do I want to do what do I most want to do I most want to write music for films I, I, that's what I've always wanted to do yeah. the most and um, and I remember thinking well I don't know any directors. I don't know anybody in films. The only person that I know who's in any sort of thing in media at all is this like radio ham kid who from my school. And I remember him being really, really into radio. Yeah. And and I thought, well, okay, well, radio, that's the thing. Yeah. And, and that, that's the only thing that I that I have a connection to that's Amazing. anywhere near film. So I went, I took him, I said, can I take you out for lunch? And and I took him out for lunch and, and um, you know, just quizzed him about radio. And he said, oh, you, should, you know, you've got a great voice. You should come and do work experience at, at the station that I work at, which was B, at that time BBC Hereford and Worcester. So I went and got... Um, that was my that was my break. That's amazing. I, I went to do work experience at BBC Hereford and Worcester, and um, and I think I was in this peculiar position where you know everybody who was there uh, was trying to get out of there and get to London, and I was from London and going trying to, to get there. In there. It was, yeah, it was yeah, kind yeah. of weird. And and actually, one of the one of the producers there, I, I think he might be the um, it, I think he might be the, the head of Radio One now, Ben Cooper. He was he was uh, oh, uh, wow. he was he was he was just a, a lowly producer at BBC Hereford and Worcester then, and uh, we were pals back then and I remember him being perplexed as to why I had moved from you know a relatively you know successful certainly successful compared to the money I was making at BBC Hereford Worcester music <laughs> career in London and was relocating to you know a cow field outside of Worcester yeah and um uh so yeah that was that was my that was my showbiz break amazing and that's that's the birth in, into radio and and where did it it go from there because I remember um your MTV days and I remember seeing you on MTV and on the Pepsi chart show and things like that so oh where was God. the transition into into yeah, TV that that happened because um well I so I'm at, at BBC Hereford Worcester just minding my own business and being a, a producer right I was I never wanted to be a presenter now that's now that's you know that there's an interesting sort of if you look at the parallels and you mentioned you know you Zane and yourself and Annie and people like that yeah uh, and John you know I, I I don't really know about John uh, um but I know, like Zane, always wanted to be a presenter. Mm. That was his, yeah, his yeah, thing, yeah, you know. Yeah. And he, he wanted he to very, interview people. Definitely. Yeah, you know. Yeah, he absolutely. That was his um, his target. Uh, but I never wanted to do that. I yeah. never. I didn't want to be a presenter. I was really happy being a producer. I, yeah. I'm. I'm good at producing people. I mean, as you know, I produced yeah. your pilot. Yeah, you did. You did. You <laughs> I'm, did. You I'm did. You good did at producing. Job. I'm good at producing people. So uh, and. Uh, um, so then this job came up in, uh, uh, that's right, I'm, so I'm sitting at my desk in, happily in Hereford and Worcester and, and then I get a call from someone going, have you seen this job in Ariel, the internal BBC magazine? Right. It's a job at Radio 1 and it has just got you written all over it and it was the uh, basically the sort of the jingle meister at, right. at Radio 1. Yeah. Uh, and um, and I, I went, yeah, yeah, okay, you know, thanks. And then, and then the same day or the, the day after, somebody else called going, have you seen the job in The Guardian? It, looked, it's, it's, it got you written all over it. There's, Radio 1 are looking for like a jingle guy. And um, 
I thought, well, okay, because there's two completely random people have called me, yeah. you know, saying the, exactly the same thing. Yeah. There must be something in this. So, Makes sense. so I uh, I applied for the job, and uh, got a, a, a an interview. They call it a board, <laughs> a water board. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> they, so, so I did this board. Um, and it's one of these really odd interviews where you go in there and you're grilled by four people in line. Oh wow! Intense. And, uh, yeah, it was was intense. But and, and I and uh, so I went there and with my no- normal unflinching honesty uh, and a combination of honesty and cheek, pure cheek actually, I got <laughs> I got the job just with pure cheek. And, and I was really <coughs> excuse me, I was really lucky to get in. And I've, this has happened to me a few times in my life. I, I've been really lucky to be in to a place at a really interesting time. Yeah. And um, at that time, Radio 1 was the station that your parents listened to. Right. And they were just getting over, they were just segueing out of the hairy cornflake period. Yeah. Um, you know, and and go and and being very uncomfortable with that. Yeah. And I remember them saying, you know, so do you listen to the station? What do you think of the station? And my cheek came in the form of, well, you've only got two shows that I listen to I, I just don't give it the time of day because yeah. it's just it's just not cool at all I, I, yeah. there's nobody here for me I like this the evening session with Joe Wiley and Steve Lamack yeah. and, uh, and I can Nightingale and, uh, and that's about it you know yeah. and if you you know if you want to change things up then I'm your man but if you want to like keep things the way they are then then this conversation yeah. is probably going to be over quite quickly bold and, straight and in there they, with boldness I think they like I think they but that's really what they wanted to hear they, yeah. I think they wanted obviously they wanted that because they gave me the job and um <laughs> And 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 I changed. For some things. reason, I can't help thinking of the partridge. You want evolution, not revolution. Quite <laughs> They're getting it around the wrong way. <laughs> so, so um, yeah. So they they uh, foolishly or unfoolishly gave me the job, and um, so I then uh, ended up in charge of what they call presentation, which is the. Uh, what Dan, bless him, does at uh, at uh, XFM. You know, I was in, I was sort of what a commercial radio Just station would two call weeks a in a row. Commercial. He's getting sh- shouts out now. Yeah. It's, it's going to go to his head. But yeah, <laughs> good old Dan. So uh, so yeah, I was I was basically making adverts for a station that didn't have adverts, and yeah. and but it was a really really interesting time because the um, majority listenership when I joined was uh, twenty five to forty five mm-hmm. in the the vast majority, and within a year of my tenure, it had gone uh, majority 15 to 25. Oh, wow. So we basically ditched so many listeners like yeah. at that time. It was like, a you know, the press called it a disaster, a hemorrhage and all that yeah. sort of stuff. But then it, all we did was just, in, in terms of marketing, we, we did what would take a decade, I was told by a marketing guru, yeah, to yeah, do. Yeah. And we did it in pretty much in six months. We, we went from majority 25 to 45 to majority 15 to 25 in it's less crazy. than a year, which is which yeah, was stunning. You know, and it, it took some brave decisions. I mean, you know, when I when I joined um, a, a Radio 1 jingle was Radio 1, which is now, I think. Yeah. Um, but that's what it had always been. It had always been these cheesy sort of American singers doing, yeah, you know, yeah, that's yeah, what their yeah, jingles yeah, were. Yeah, yeah. And, and a station promo would be uh, would be uh, Mark Goodyear shouting, uh, just going, you know, listen to Pete Tong, or yeah. you know, like yeah. in a really yeah. loud voice and a really rasping uh, voice, and uh, it, it was just all so horrible to my, to my ears and so yeah. old school, and and, I, and so I just my first executive decisions was to ban Mark from doing any promos <laughs> and to uh, ban sung jingles, and yeah. uh, and that's what I did, and and so I made this package called the anti jingle package. Yeah. 
which uh, was just sort of, you know, all those kind of interruptive noises and, and the stuff that we take for granted now, all those cool sort of... Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever, you know, yeah, those yeah, kind yeah. of things. And um, no station in Britain had done that. Um, and so I introduced that. And it was, this wasn't something that... It wasn't like... this. I'm not talking about... I'm not sucking my own cock and saying I'm, I'm brilliant. I ripped off... I just ripped off America. Yeah. I just yeah, listened yeah, to... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, at that time, I was listening to K-Rock yeah. and, uh, and Z100 uh, yeah. and uh, Z95 in Vancouver. And they were all doing that. They were all doing these really cool, edgy. like edgy sort of feedbacky, interruptive, stabby kind of noises yeah. and no sung jingles. Yeah. So um, I just thought, well, you know, and I've always, you know, you and me have always been about the, the counterculture, about the revolution, Completely. about the underside. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah let, Let's, let's uh, you know, not do the mainstream. Not, not, let's not do what everybody else is doing. And, and but so to that's walk, what, to walk that's what into the main, the BBC mainstream and do that is, you know, that was a hugely bold move there. So... <laughs> Yeah, it, yeah, it was and so impressive to so, 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 so you ask how, what happened. I so I was doing that, and I and in doing that, I was, you know, writing a lot of scripts for presenters yep. from and and then and as Radio One then started uh, importing and some really interesting and brilliant talent, you know, yeah. your Marianne Hobbses and your Westwoods and and all of that, and losing all of the hairy cornflakes and getting Chris Evans. You know, I was in that yeah. time in that yeah, incredibly yeah, yeah. interesting time of of Blur versus Oasis and and the whole Britpop thing and and so. And I was in the playlist meeting and, uh, you know, so I, you know, I got, you know, I, and, and so I, I, and you know me, I'm, I'm a, I'm a, I like a good debate, a heated debate. Yeah, yeah. So I love that playlist meeting because that's yeah, just a yeah, weekly yeah, debate. Yeah, yeah. And so I, you know, I remember getting, you know, records like uh, Inner City Life by Goldie on the Radio 1 playlist. Amazing. And then Simon Mayo, bless him. And I, I love Simon. He, I have nothing but fond memories and he, lovely memories of that guy. Uh, him refusing to play it at the time. <laughs> it was just, it, but you know, that's, and, and that for, for me is a plus. You know, I love records that are, ask questions. And, yeah. you, you know, uh, I the, love throwing curveballs into a DJ the set. The Hackney Colliery Band do an or have an amazing <laughs> cover of, of Inner City Life. It's genuinely, it's I fantastic. Can I can imagine how moving that is. YouTube, strings, yeah. I believe, but it's, oh, yeah, man. it's a beautiful one. So, um, so I'm writing these scripts for these people, and then and then I and then I get um, I got nominated I, for, for this jingle package. I, I got uh, some awards and got nominated for a Sony Award for for I got some awards in America. Actually, that was a funny thing. Thinking back to it, I got two awards. Uh, the awards that I got were all from America for <laughs> um, the jingle package that I did. But and and in Britain, um, I got nominated for a Sony for it. And so I'm at the Sony Bash, which you know well, yeah, of course. Yeah. And uh, and I'm there in 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 my penguin suit or whatever. And and then um, the ex uh, producer of the evening session, um, uh, Christine Ball, brilliant, brilliant woman. Um, I, I see her and I go, hey, you know, how are you doing, Christine? And she goes, oh, I, and, you know, she'd, she'd been headhunted by MTV. And, uh, and I said, how are you doing? And she goes, oh, you know, we're starting a new channel, you know, MTV UK. And I go, uh, what, you're, so you're not going to have like Euro models with just fantastic cleavages yeah, telling yeah, yeah. me what gigs to go to when they're clearly not going to them yeah, yeah, yeah. and I have no idea what they're talking about so you, you're not doing that anymore and, she's, that's, and, that's she, goes, and she goes uh, she goes no 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 we want she, we want. Um, I remember this conversation like it was yesterday she goes no we, we're trying to get people who really know their onions onto the onto the um, network and we want to get people who used to be in bands you know people who really know their music yeah. and I remember her looking me up and down I remember her eyeballs going down to my feet and then up to me and she goes 
people like you. Um, <laughs> you should come and do a do a, 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 um, perfect, a right? screen test. And I was like, no, come on, Christine. You know me. I, I'm really happy. Just I'm in my little studio. I've got yeah. Pro Tools. I've got my little outboard gear. I just like make, making the jingles yeah. and that's, you know, producing. Yeah. You know, it, was a, it was an amazing job, that a job at Radio 1, because a normal Radio 1 producer or a normal producer, you know, at, at a place like that just becomes a producer of a show. You know, yeah. you become Scroobius Pip's producer or you become whatever, Nicky Campbell's producer or yeah. Mark Goodyear's producer, uh, Chris Evans's producer. But I got to produce a little bit of every single person's That's show, amazing. which was great. So I got to interact with every single presenter on the station yeah. and even go up to Manchester to, you know, to hang out with Mark and Lard and, and, yeah. and, and to, to, to or, to or to make the decision to not produce John Peel, you know, that and, and wow. stuff like that. Yeah, or, yeah, yeah. you know, I'd get pressure from above, you know, we've got to get John to toe the line and, and but then you know, I go no no no. That the whole point of John is to be John, and and let, not let's not let's not make him play yeah. jingles and, and to do that stuff. And and, and let's just let's just give him some idents in 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 a, in a sympathetic voice that is just dry that could just float over the top of uh, of, a, of, a, of an interesting Belgian techno record that he's yeah. going to play or whatever. Yeah, and, yeah, and, yeah. And, and let's leave it at that. And um um. I've completely lost my thread now. I was just thinking I mean, about John Peel. just a wonderful d- d- a decision there to realise that that you you play to the strengths of your talent rather than try and make them all the same. You oh, know? Yeah, that's, yeah, that's yeah, great. absolutely. No, we, no, you, I was answering answering your question about how I got into TV. Yes, MTV. And so, oh yes, Christine Ball. So let's go back to the Sony Awards. Uh, it's, it's the Sony Awards. Oh, was it Sony Awards? Yeah, yeah. So. Um, and she goes, yeah, people like you, you've got to do a screen test. And, and I basically I basically went, thanks, but no thanks. Yeah. And um, and then the next day, I'm in my little studio in Radio 1, and my, my voicemail flashes, and it's a voice, it's, I listen to it, and, and this guy goes, hi, I'm, uh, my name's Howie or something, uh, sort of glamorous kind of American name. <laughs> I'm, I'm from MTV Talent Acquisition, and I've been asked to get in touch with you for you to come and do a screen test. And, um, you know, can you come in at this time on this day? And, uh, and I just thought, oh, God, you know, she's really adamant that I do this. Okay, you know, I'll, I'll, just, I'll, I'll just go, and, and um, I'm not going to prepare anything, and they'll just see how shit I am, and nothing uh, will happen. <laughs> And so, uh, so I turn up, and um, with no preparation whatsoever, I rock up on my on my bike, um, and uh, and they stand me. It was in uh, Holy Crescent in Camden, and they stand me up right by the canal and point a camera at me, and they go, "Say something." So I just said something. I said, "I think I went, I think I went on a rant about how much I hated Blur or something." Yeah, and then. Um, and they went, oh, okay, um, so, right, no, we'll now go on another rant about Oasis, because you've done Blur. So I, so I went on a rant about Oasis. And then they went, oh, well, so now can you rant about something else? And so I ranted about, do something about festivals. And so I, I, I just went on a rant about festival toilets and festivals and stuff. And, and then at the end of it, they go, um, okay, look, don't call us. We'll call you. Um, uh, you know, it's, it's April now, and we don't have anything till September. And uh, so I went back to work happily. I went home and went back to work the next day. Yeah. And uh, and then um, I, then I got within a couple of days. I had a I had a call from Christine saying everyone's gone bananas about your um about your uh, screen test Amazing. and um, it's gone right up to the top. And 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 Brent the 
the, the guy who runs the whole of MTV said, "You've got, we've got to hire you. So, can you resign, please?" So I, so <laughs> I um, you know, we can, we'll, we'll match whatever salary you're getting. We'll take you on as a producer presenter. Yeah. And uh, we, you know, really, really want wow. you to do this. And and um, so I, I thought about it, and I thought, well, you know, it's it's, a, it's obviously a really good opportunity. I, I went to talk to my boss, Matthew Bannister, who um, was uh, is one of the most brilliant men I've ever worked for, and uh, I went to see him, and he went, look. As your as your boss, I don't want you to go. Um, but as your friend, go go. Like this is a great yeah. opportunity for you, and I I look forward to welping, welcoming you back at a vastly inflated salary. Yeah, <laughs> and, that's amazing. Oh, I love that it's guy. It's great to have people. I like. I, I was in, incredibly similar with Chris here with a uh, Chris Braun here when we were talking about the beatdown ending and what I wanted to do with the podcast. It was a similar thing. Yeah, of, there's reasons I don't want this to end but there's also reasons to say yeah you know continue onwards so yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. it's great when you can have someone like that who's in that position to, yeah. to, to be able to be a friend and a and a, a boss yeah, there. so exactly. onwards a to good, mtv a, it was a good advisor so um so then yeah yeah so then i i became a producer presenter at mtv and then i got into this odd position where I, you know, if you think back to MTV, again, I got into a place at a really interesting time. Yeah. It was segueing from MTV Europe and, um, and, and, at the end of that MTV Europe thing, there was this guy Ray Cokes. Do you remember Ray yeah, Cokes? I remember Ray Cokes. See, I never saw. I never had MTV. I was always skint. And and and, you know, and, my, my... and Davina McCall as Naughty yeah, Nina of course, on Ray Cokes' right, show yeah. back so then. I'd never seen MTV, but and and loads of people when I got on there said oh you're you're the new Ray Cokes or you know the, you're, you're the best thing I've seen since Ray, Co- yeah. Ray Cokes or the worst thing I've seen since Ray Cokes <laughs> and, uh, and, and I saw a bit of him on archive footage and I, and I took it as a compliment yeah. I thought he was I thought he was Ray great. was great I remember l- 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 loving that back then being a massive fan <laughs> so, of Ray but... so I, I basically um, oh man that, 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 this was a funny um, a weird phase actually because I, I got into MTV and all they knew was that they had to have me on board but they didn't know what to do with me and until they figured it out they put me on mtv news yeah me on mtv news Uh, like so it was that was really bizarre there was basically just a couple of really bitter journalists um just sitting there looking like they wanted to self-harm and listening to radio one uh newsbeat and uh watching uh what do they have teletext at that time there was no internet yeah. or there was hardly wow. any inter- so they were On basically the music watching teletext music page. teletext and just Brilliant. recycling anything that came as a news story and yeah. I remember that in the six months that I was there or however many months that I was there at MTV News they only broke two news stories at that time um, and I gave I mean I gave them these news stories. That's how shit it was. It was like it was Charlotte Hatherley joining Ash, which yeah. I got because I knew Ash. Yeah. And um, and the other one was. Um, do you remember when um, uh, uh, KLF daubed um, what the fuck is going on? on the uh, the wall of the yeah, South Bank yeah, Centre. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, I got a call from one of them while they were doing it. And, and so Amazing. I obviously broke that story. We broke that I've story. I've got some news for you. Yeah. <laughs> Those were the only two stories we broke in that time. And then... And then uh, Christine, uh, the brilliant Christine Bohr, pulled me in one day and said, uh, we've got this strand in the in the afternoon. It's called Up For It. And um, 
we don't, it's not really a, it isn't anything. All, yeah. all we know is that we want to get kids. We, we want, and we want to do a radio show on the television. And um, so we think you'll be perfect for it. Um, but here's the thing. We've got no money. We've got no budget at all. Classic. So you can't have a studio. You can't have a director. You can't have a, but this was the great thing. You can't have, you can't have anything. You, you can basically, we, you can have 500 quid to buy some, um, uh, to buy a set and that's it and then yeah. the rest of it isn't you have an in-house camera map person an in-house producer to help you do it and that's it wow and um, so I and, and her brief was we want children that's the orders that have come from above right. is that we, we need to get kids to listen to to, to watch MTV and we, yeah. we need to, to, to you know it was, we, we need to get these these kids watching MTV yeah. early you know and so that was my brief so I made this very infantile show um in the afternoon Brilliant. and I still get lovely lovely messages on Twitter and on Facebook to this day um, of people who are now seriously like movers and shakers or, or you know people who are like yeah. very successful or, or, or whatever like getting in touch with me just going thanks so much for introducing me to and then insert a name of, of, of artists yeah. could be Daft yeah. Punk could yeah. be you know uh, uh, the Stereophonics or the Chemical Brothers or whatever and um and uh, I, I got a huge, still get a huge kick out of yeah. uh, out of that. So yeah, that's that's that how huge. I joined MTV. I mean, it's, it's it's really interesting hearing about your scr- screen test rant, essentially, um, because from listening to your radio show, always loved your wonderful enthusiasm and excitement about music exploding to play this new track Um, but what made me realise that we were truly going to connect and be friends was seeing on Twitter or Facebook one point you ranting about your hate of Muse um, (laughs) which I connected with I'd I'd only ever heard you be so positive because again I guess if it's your radio show why would you be addressing anything negative You're, you're, you're using that airtime to talk about the stuff you're in love with and obsessed with so it was wonderfully exciting to then hear you rail against Muse who I'm not a fan of again a lot of people oh, will listen who will be yeah. I don't get it myself yeah no well, that's, well let's um, let's turn this into a positive because um, <laughs> <laughs> because that's um, very interesting you know you're talking about uh, positivity and about use of airtime yeah. and um, one of the uh, uh, I, I, I'd get hate I mean, the most interesting and valuable lesson that TV, that MTV taught me was that for everybody who loves you, there's someone who hates you. Yeah, yeah. And um, the hate that I would get would be largely twofold. Either people would have a problem with me because they saw me as posh and uh, or they would have a problem with me because they saw me as too positive. And it's a very English thing. I think English, yeah. England is because of where it is in the world and the latitude of it and, and, and the temperament and stuff. And uh, if you look at it sort of historically, it, it, it's, it's quite good at depression. Uh, you know, the further north you go, the more cynical and, de- and depre- de- depressed you get. And, you know, the, the suicide rates in, in, in Finland and places like that are just yeah. awful, but we'll not get back into that. But, you know, the, the Brits love a bit of hate and yeah. um, they would, uh, and, and a lot of them hate positivity and they would go, I would frequently get messages um, uh, from people going, you're so 
fucking positive. Yeah. You just make me yeah. sick. Like, why are you always saying that you love stuff? Yeah. Um, and that's what I hate about your show and you. <laughs> and I'm like, well, why the hell would I ever, why would I, I've got two hours or three hours or four, well, no, the show has changed in length, you know, over the 15 years that I've been here. But why would I use any time to play a record that I hate? Yeah. Like, and to address the, it in I, any way. You know, I've, I've always, I've always turned down I have a, a a history of turning stuff down, of turning big stuff down. Yeah. And, uh, you know, one of the many things that I turned down was uh, the Drive Time show here, which I got offered years ago. Oh, wow. And I got, and I turned it down because, because of that, because I just can't bring myself to play a Muse record twice a day, you know, or, or a, a record yeah. that I don't, that doesn't connect with me and I, that I don't feel at, at all and, and then have to say that it's good or, it's you know, I just can't valid. lie. It's, 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 it's something that's influenced my, and I had a realisation um, on, on social media as well that I kind of went, right, I've got a good audience here and if you look at my, all my social media now, you'll rarely find me slagging anything off because there's so many things I want to shout about and be excited yeah, about. Yeah. And that's a, exactly the, the same thing. It's that you've got a radio show. You've got this l- limited amount of time and space. Why wouldn't you just yeah. fill it with the stuff you're most excited and buzzing about? Yeah, yeah. I think the most, I think the most touching thing that... Uh, and this happened, this happened a few times, but um, it... it uh, it got uh, sort of focused back in 2013 when I was really, really low and, and uh, uh, you know, I was still having to go on air. There was a, a period of about three weeks where I, I, I couldn't go on air and I um, it, I got somebody else to do my show for a bit. But there was a period where this, this guy was a listener and, and he he somehow just could tell that I was really, really down. And, and, oh, and, wow. he, st- and he was just like, you don't sound right at the moment. And, and, you know, is everything okay? And I ended up sort of talking to him, you know, in this, uh, I'm very open. And, and, and we've actually since become friends. And, and, he, and he said to me, listen, man, I had this awful, awful thing that I went through and I discovered that my wife was having several affairs and we've got kids and, you know, everything's gone completely tits up and, and I wanted to kill myself. And the thing that stopped me from killing myself was you. And just listening to your show every week and your endless enthusiasm and your positivity just made me think, you know what, there is at least music to live for, you know, and and, and yeah. that... And you literally saved my life. So you know, thank you so much. And I was so deeply moved by that. That um, that you know, then the boundary between sort of listener and and presenter then just sort of vaporized, and we've yeah. become friends. That's you know, we, I ended up meeting him, and we have dinners together, and, you know, and we've become really good mates. And I love um, that. And yeah, you, you know, that that's that's really profound, and that that comes down to what I'm talking about and what you're talking about. And and I connected with you on the same thing. I remember, you, and you've said frequently, you sometimes preface a tweet just going, "I don't like to be negative," but yeah, 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 and, then yeah, you, yeah. and you say something charmingly negative. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. very very <laughs> rare. But like you know, uh, I don't like to hate, but. So, yeah. and that's that's it. Like, you know, if you if you hate all the time, then it doesn't mean anything. But yeah, if you exactly. if you're incredibly positive, and then weird then that, you do hate every now and again. Then it does mean something. Yeah, and it's weird that it's become the default now to spend a lot of time hating. Like again, I I, I argue this. I've probably heard two Miley Cyrus songs and probably two a Justin Bieber song so I, I'm not a fan of them but I haven't got the energy to have the hate that most people have for them because it just doesn't it's not something I'm exposed to it's like yeah. I don't need to, to waste my time and, and when people I've, I've got a lot of friends who are, are heavily t- tattooed or tattooists and 
there was a TV show about tattoo addiction and being a fan of good tattoo art I didn't watch it but I watched on Twitter as all of these people watched it purely to make themselves angry and get furious (laughs) about how shit and appalling representation this program was it's like don't put yourself through that you could have watched a really good documentary in that time I could have you know you could have gone for a walk yeah life's too short yeah go for a walk and look up I really was feeling that thing you were talking to with Danny I had this I had this idea I'm completely dovetailing now but I had this idea for a coffee table book called Look Up yeah um, about just taking photos. Um, I wanted to hook up with a photographer. Yeah. And then um, I just have not had time to do it. Because I just, I, I make this real point of when I'm walking around to try not to look at my phone. Yeah. And yeah. To, to look up. It's hard to do, and man. Yeah, yeah. But, and to try to look up. And I, and, I, and I made a real conscious effort to do it. And I started noticing all of these amazing things. Like even just like, uh, I, I found myself looking up just outside Leicester Square tube station. And there's this amazing kind of sculpture on the top of the building that I'd never noticed. And it's really colourful. Yeah. And, and I was thinking, well, why the hell is that there? And how, who's ever going to see that in this day and age? And yeah. I remember I, uh, this blog that I do for CMU, I remember writing about, you know, when you're walking around, try not to look down at your phone all the time because you could walk past the love of your life and not even realise that you're doing that. That's a beautiful point. And, and, I, and that really resonated. I got so many messages from, from saying that and yeah. I, that really resonated with people. And I, and, and that, that, that thing that, uh, you know, that you were talking about with Danny um, very recently of, really... Of taking the time to... Yeah, yeah, look up. Take the time to, uh, to, to look up. It really it makes a huge difference. Well, we're, we're, we're over the hour mark now so we can fit... Uh, there's still room to fit a few more things in. There's two t- I want to address before we go. One of them is Top Gear and one of them is, is Tinnitus. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, so okay. take your pick on which one you wish to start with. Okay, well, um, uh, uh, Top Gear, wow. Um, okay, well, so here's, so you're, you're bringing this one up because it's obviously a very interesting thing to talk about in, yeah, the, in the current it's climate. It's topical. Very, very topical. And um, so here's the interesting thing that almost everybody except my very close friends know about me, which is that I got asked to audition for Top Gear. That's amazing. A long, long time ago. And um, at that time, I was being advised by, and I was under the wing of uh, a brilliant man called Malcolm Gerry, who uh, produced the best uh, TV program about music ever, uh, The Tube. Yeah. And he um, and he said, well, kid, um, I'm not going to do the Geordie accent, but he <laughs> goes, he goes, he goes um, listen, our kid, what do, you, what do you want to do? You can uh, you can be the bloke from Top Gear, and uh, and you'll be, you know, fucking brilliant at yeah, it. Yeah. Uh, but uh, you'll be the bloke from Top Gear, and you'll make a load of money, a shitload of money. But you, you won't ever DJ again, yeah. except for at you know re- shit university gigs and stuff. Yeah, that's a great point. Um, uh, or you can be a cool DJ and a musician, which yeah. which you are, and you'll be great at that too. So. Um, what do you want to do? You're yeah. at a cross. You're at a fork in the road here. And I, and I just thought, yeah. And I just thought at the time, I just thought, oh, you know what? I'm just really falling in love with decks and uh, pro tools and with um, you know DJing and with um, starting to write music and and getting back into that whole thing. And so um, I just thought, no, I, I don't want to. You know, I, I love cars. I'm a massive petrol head. Yeah, you know, I, yeah. I, in a way, I'd be perfect for Top oh, Gear. I've, I, I've I, owned several Alfa Romeos. Always remember <laughs> one of the bits of advice. You gave me one time was in this kind of industry and how we live and what we have to do. You have to have if if you're gonna if you get any money, spend it on a good bed, 
and a good car. D- yeah. More just that you're comfy in. Because again, yeah. and, and I took that in because it didn't come across in a flashy way, like a flashy kind of like, but they're two really important things because that time when you get to be in bed is rare. And yeah. the time you're in your car, there's going to be a lot of travel. There's going to be a lot of, of long journeys. So Absolutely. Yeah, comfort in yeah, those two God, things. That, I forgot I said that. That's, that's great a, advice. That is really stuck good with advice. Me. Stuck with me. <laughs> that's really good advice. I think you were driving a, an LPG van at the time. <laughs> I, was, I, was, I, was, I was driving a, a Toyota Space Cruiser. So yeah, yes, yeah, it's, it's pretty close. <laughs> so yeah, we obviously as DJs, as DJs and musicians, you spend, a, especially as DJs, um, yeah. because musicians, you're in a tour bus being driven, but um, yeah, in a transit van being driven, yeah, or yeah, in a yeah. splitter van. Yeah. But um, we spend, uh, as DJs, a lot of time in cars. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, absolutely. Spend spend money on your car uh, and and on your mattress. Yeah. Um, because, you know, you spend so much time in that and it's, and it's going to really affect your life. Hugely so, important. Yeah, and ever since I bought my 10-year-old, well, now 12-year-old BMW M3, my, my life on the road has been so much better. I just need a few more gigs. For, <laughs> for years, I had um, uh, a, a, a Ford Capri. A nineteen eighty three Ford Capri. Um, what the two the two liter injection the two liter, or the eighteen yeah, hundred? Did it have the vinyl roof? Was it the, the, and the two no, the little? No, no, no. It was a nice. It was a solid, a body. But again, I'm not a petrol head at all. But I loved it and through touring a lot and leaving it on the drive a lot yeah. it was just so unreliable and it becomes yeah. again not knowing how to tinker that much and this is going to be a huge sh- shock and embarrassment to people now um last year I had to look at uh, what can I get I've n- I'd never had a, a new car up to that point I was like right I need something that is more reliable one thing led to another and I bought a Jag um <laughs> and again it's just it's genuinely it, it was that bit of advice from you the thought of a car that starts when I get in it do you know what I mean because yeah. with my Capri aesthetically I loved it but it was so hot it had like had no CD player no radio it was all tape deck everything but no air conditioning and all that and it's genuinely because of the amount more now as I'm off from touring and doing a lot more label managing stuff so I am driving myself about so much and on long trips to the warehouse to sort merch you know I do everything mm. myself within this label it's made a huge difference and I picked up a killer mic for this a very podcast who is a massive petrol head mm. and got a nice little a compliment on my wheels which we, yeah, we, we, well, which meant the world so. well the wheel has turned full circle pit because the because the jaguar that you know the that generation of jaguar has become more and more and more like an aston martin yeah, uh, with yeah, every yeah, yeah. year that's passed and the capri was actually based on an Aston Martin. Yeah. We're on the DB7, I think it was. Amazing. So they actually got the designers to rip off to do a common man's Aston Martin. Yeah. So, yeah, the wheels turned full circle. And, I, yeah, around. and I, well, I, I wholeheartedly approve. So, so yeah, I, so I, I now um, I now present uh, I present a car show. Yes, you uh, do. Which, which goes across the entire English-speaking world. Uh, Mobile won the grid. And uh, and that sort of uh, fuels, with no pun intended, my, um, my car fetish. Yeah. Um, although my car fetish is more for uh, old, like I like 50s and 60s and 70s sports cars more than anything else. But, you know, yeah, I'm a petrol head and I am a uh, a bike, you know, a big bike enthusiast as well. Nice. Well, I mean, choosing touring life as a DJ um, and live music gets us on to the other T of... of of, of tinnitus. tinnitus, yeah. Well, so I me- we mentioned right and at the top. And you're one of the ma- the major ambassadors for 
you know the the risks and 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 the prevention of of tinnitus as, yeah. as, uh, well, that I, I'm aware of at the very least. Yeah, I, I you know years ago I got a I got this letter from uh, the British Tinnitus Association just going you know hi you know we're the BTA and we we're just looking at um we we saw I think I I, made, I blogged something about tinnitus and um how it needed to have better awareness and some government funding and that we needed to find out what the hell it was and stuff and they said we noticed that you're you know you're talking about it and we we really um trying to uh, partner up with people in the public eye and mm. you know our, our ambassador is uh, Peter Stringfellow and I, oh, wow. and I I mean I'm not going to diss Peter in any way I no. don't know the guy or anything but yeah. like I, I did I, I, remember, I wrote I called them up I, I you know even then a believer in direct communication yeah. so I, I just called them up and I went look you're not really going to be taken very seriously if your main figurehead is is Peter Stringfellow, with the greatest respect in the world. I'm a yeah. very successful businessman and all that yeah, sort of stuff. Sure. But but you know that's that's not a figurehead for, for to try and get through to yeah. to sort of you know sensitive people. And and uh, so uh, I, I I didn't want to get that job or anything. But I said, look, I'll I'll I'm I'm here to help. Yeah. And um and I started fundraising for them and uh, and and awareness raising. And of course, then with the advent of Twitter and Facebook and stuff, that sort of becomes you, you know, a, a, a weekly or monthly rant for yeah, me. You know, sure. um, and uh, can you explain qu- quickly what tinnitus is for people who may be tuning in and not really? I'm sure that most people that listen to, the, to to this podcast would know what tinnitus is, but for the very course. few uh, who, who don't, it is a sound in your head from which there is no source. Mm-hmm. So it's a sound from which there is no external source. So it's a, a, more often a ringing. Uh, you know, the, the, it's the ringing that happens in your brain after you go to a gig. Yeah. And it was worn as a badge of courage by uh, kids like me, that pe- people like me that that, that grew up in the, in the 70s and 80s and, and found ourselves sort of musically. And we'd go to these really loud gigs. and Stand um, right at the front, and, you know, right people, by yeah, the speakers. And people go like, you know, what, head what, in was the, monitors. what was the, yeah, what was the gig like? And, and, and we go, oh yeah, it was great. You know, I, I couldn't hear for a week afterwards. My ears and that are was, still ringing. Yeah, 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 yeah. And and of course, because there was no absolutely zero uh, awareness and no uh, public information films made by the government to tell us that we could be getting brain damage. Because yeah. here's a common here's a common uh, misconception: tinnitus is not an ear issue. It's a br- it's brain damage. Oh, wow, is, is what it is. Well, see, here it is, Pip. Um, True story. It's a it's a horrific story, but it's it's it, it has a lot of gravitas, and this has happened more than once. Kid goes, true story, to his GP, and he goes, I've got tinnitus so bad, I want you to refer me to a surgeon to have my auditory nerve severed. So, and and the GP was foolish enough to refer him to a private uh, oh, wow. uh, slicer who was foolish enough, well, I guess just wanted the money. And so this, this, this guy uh, butchered this poor, uh, this poor young man um, and severed his auditory nerve for, in exchange for money. Uh, and the kid became deaf with tinnitus. So oh, wow. he committed suicide within days of that operation. And um, Absolutely hi- hideous. Yeah. And again, I mean, the, the idea, oh, my ears were ringing for a week and things like that sounds great because it's the awareness that it goes away but just to get the the gravitas across the the idea of a sound that's always there and yeah, never I, ever leaves your yeah i'm never gonna i can hear sound. it now i can hear yeah. it above you i i can you know i can hear it all the time i mean unless there's a lot of noise you know yeah. I, it's just it's it's 6636 hertz in the key of e tone in my head and it's there it's amazing all that you know the, the exact that you've you've 
Yeah, you found yeah, out the exact I, yeah, tone of your... Yeah, of your I, I, yeah a friend of mine, uh, a, a dear friend, um, said, I, I came to terms with it when I became friends with my tinnitus. Right. And I just thought, yeah, I want to understand this. I want to, I sort of personified this thing, you know, this, I mean, this thing un- in my head. Understanding in anything like that, I think, is a huge thing. I think that's where we um, slip up a lot in the, um, in, 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 in the medical world when there's a lack of diagnosis because anything you have, it's better to know know what you're dealing with or more comforting. Even if you're finding out that ringing is, we've not got a cure for this, but knowing what it is and what, you know, the more f- familiar you are, with it, the greater understanding yeah. that you have of it, the easier it is to... To, to 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 make peace with yeah as such. well that's Obviously, all we can do Pip, with now, lack of peace is to make peace with it because we we sure as hell don't know what it is yeah. we have a very good idea that it's it's the the, the uh, pathway between the ear and the brain that's kind of fried um, but we without more money for more research we're not we don't know exactly what it is and therefore we can't find a cure for it I think that the the that where we need to look is is stem cell research I think that's that's where the there are a lot of quacks out there offering cures by the way and and uh, be very very careful of all these people saying that this and that and the other can can cure tinnitus actually the best way of you you, you just have to accept that you're always going to have it yeah. and until somebody actually definitively finds a cure and until the yeah. government spends some money on research and at the moment they're not even spending money on awareness I mean yeah. I, I've said this before and I'll, and I'll say it here that you know the government has spent millions on letting us know that we'll burn our fingers on a firework on yeah. November the 5th I mean yeah. come on like if one in ten people in this country has tinnitus, tinnitus. if one in it's ten crazy. people burnt themselves on a firework the queue for A&E would go from one hospital to the next hospital yeah. yet yeah. they're spending millions telling us that we might burn our fucking fingers on a firework like, you know, spend some money on on, on something that's actually, you know, like properly real. And, and, yeah. and, and there are people who are, uh, like, getting it so badly that they are... I mean, I'm, I, get, I have to talk people down from ledges um, about it. You know, crazy, with, with people it? are getting it... And, and it's getting worse and worse. I don't have to tell anyone who lives in London what it's like going on a tube train and, and you, you can hear the sibilance of a hi-hat of, of different forms of music from almost everybody in the carriage that have got uh, earbuds um, you know or swish Dr. Dre yeah. uh, headphones on their on their head and they're listening to music at a really high volume um, and that's, that's happening all the time and, yeah. uh, and I know from personal experience like my tinnitus got made three times worse by regularly listening to, um, to a lot of bass music with really bassy headphones like it's 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 going to come back and bite you in the ass you yeah. know if you're not careful so prevention obviously is the, is, is the best or only kind of option so uh, and, and that's a awareness is yeah. the greatest thing there so what what are the best tips for prevention is it and not listen to music as loud is it earplugs at gigs uh, yeah. at venues it, at nights out for for us for musicians it's earplugs it's yeah. good earplugs go and get if you're a musician for god's sake you, you're there are some very rare exceptions of the rule some superhumans like paul from pendulum who was a drummer and one of the most successful DJs in the world and has never had tinnitus and, and I'm sure he never will get tinnitus because yeah. he's, he's given his ears the biggest battering that you could imagine. Yeah, yeah. Some people, I guess, are just genetically predisposed not to have it. But for us mere mortals, it's, it's only rare. a matter of time before, you know, it's yeah. gonna, that ringing that you get after a gig one day will just not stop. Yeah. Um, so for, for musicians, especially drummers, um, get yourself protected. And if you're a regular gig goer, um, just, yeah, some ear protection and, and uh, not those what we call yellow perils those spongy like, yeah. little things um i mean they're better than nothing but get yourself you only have to spend uh a 10 quid on a pair of at 
attenuated earplugs. I th- they're doing them in Sainsbury's now. I notice. Oh really? Uh, and they're these they're these one they're these things called splugs, uh, and they're nine ninety nine. And I think the ones in Sainsbury's I saw the other day um, in the like sort of chemist section of a big Sainsbury's was like seven ninety nine or something. Yeah. And they've got little filters in them, so they attenuate equally across all frequencies. So you still hear the boom of the kick drum. You still hear the sizzle of a hi hat. You can still hear every you still get word all the quality of, there. A, of, yeah. of a brilliant lyricist like yourself. Like. You you still hear everything um, with, without you know muffling it, so yeah, it just reduces it just reduces it by about ten to fifteen decibels. That's great. So yeah, that's that's it. You you've just got to protect, and then if you've got it, just try to forget about it. Actually, is the best thing. You know, yeah. it sounds flippant to say that, but tinnitus awareness is awful for, for people who've actually got it because being aware of it just makes it worse. Yeah. So um, you've got to just do whatever you can. You know, if you're in that sort of Oh, it's late at night and it's really quiet and I'm hearing it really badly. You know, just do, just try to like watch a bit of telly or listen to a bit of music. Um, anything. I've, I've said this on Channel Four and I, I, I like, have a you. wank, have have sex. Like these are great ways of taking your mind off something. Well, that was in all the seriousness, I remember seeing on Channel Four. You- <laughs> Advocate, advocate your masturbation as an alternative, as, yeah. as, as a therapy for tinnitus, which was again, but it's great. It's that's the beauty of it. It's something as as blunt as it is. It's something that distracts you from all else around it's a, you. It's in a great that way to relax. So you know, there it is. Every guy, every guy knows that. And if you don't, you're you're lying. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, we're at the ninety minute mark now, so we should start to wrap things up. Um, I just want to know what's ahead, Eddie, and where people can keep up to date on everything that's ahead. Obviously, we've not even touched on a secret garden party, which actually I need to quickly just just say... um, Obviously, you've been doing a secret garden party for a long time. The guy who produces this podcast with me is Wargie, who was in my no. band, who, uh, when we who, played yes. on your stage, he proposed uh, yes. to Amy. Yes, and um, I played bass for you on that yeah, day. Yeah, you played bass <laughs> during our cover of, of, of a Prince song of, of Get Off. Um yeah, what an amazing party that place oh, is, man. Oh, you know what? You you do you just said the thing which um makes me so happy and Freddie, if you're listening, the head gardener will be so happy that you just said, What a beautiful party. Yeah. It's not a festival. No, we don't call a it a festival. We don't so. we refuse to call it a festival. It is a four day party for professional party goers. Yeah. And uh, that's what it is, and that's what it's always been. And, and it you started know what? as you know, go on. That can be tough for musicians until you step out on stage. Because as you'll know, or you I mean you know a lot of musicians who do this as well. In, f- in festival season, a lot of the time, you're not looking for a party. On stage you are, but when you're churning in and churning out, kind of, I remember getting to Secret Garden Party and that year it happened to be raining a lot and there were so many lovely people, but we were doing four festivals that weekend and mm. we were very much, look, I just want to, you know, have somewhere to sit and do, as soon as we stepped out on stage and the crowd had, mm. were clearly there for one beautiful party, mm. regardless, yeah. come rain or shine, um, all the time. Yeah, it was just absolutely beautiful to see and, and, and be a part of. And yeah, because of the proposal as well, one of my, will forever be one of my standout gig memories. Oh, it's so beautiful. It, it, and that yeah, that was a real standout memory, a life memory. Um, <laughs> but it, it is, there is so much love there. And I mean, I don't mean that in a sort of, Darius sort of there's so much love in the, in the room way yeah. it, it, it's um, really much more real than that you've got so that the whole place is run by and uh, fueled by and uh, entertained by uh, a whole bunch of actors uh, musicians yeah. sculptors artists um, poets who are 
all uh, architects, uh, you know, uh, Thatchers, who are all there uh, doing something for a tiny fraction of what they normally charge yeah. or for yeah. nothing. Yeah, completely. Um, so it, it's it's basically powered by love. You know, the closest that I've ever got to it in Vibe was this thing called Lake of Stars in Malawi. I don't know if yeah, you've done that, I've but heard that was of incredibly it. moving doing that. And it's it's like that. It's, it's it, it, There's just so much love there. You're there for love. You are literally there for love because yeah. you're sure as shit ain't getting paid very much. Damn right. Or nothing. We, uh, we put this podcast out on an app called Acast as well. And what we can do whilst we're talking about everything is put a link in there. So if anyone's uh, listened to this, we will have had a link up for Secret Garden Party to keep up to date on it. But at this point, I'm going to... F- false Wargy who's producing this and puts all the links in for me to at this point put the photo of him proposing yes and then at this point zoom in (laughs) such a beautiful thing just had no idea who the kid was a young Asian lad in the front row who I've never seen anyone so happy Strangers' happiness, you yeah. know. What I mean, and that's what summed it up for me. The fact that this kid is bursting with happiness that someone he'd never seen or heard of thirty minutes ago is proposing. Just the beauty, the crowd, a reaction, everything just really summed up how much of a, a party and community it is. So, yeah, shared yeah. love, and, and obviously the love is being felt a lot because we uh, we sold out th- four weeks ago. Oh wow! <laughs> so in record time, Damn. So there's going to be a lot of uh, really disappointed people. The last time this happened, I had a lot of. I get friend, old friends, relatives that I didn't even know I have. Yeah, all uh, of a sudden, you know, all of a sudden being really work. friendly. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, oh yeah, thank well, you for I the. I think that's for a the... beautiful, positive uh, note to end on. Then, really, um, uh, where can people keep up to date on everything you're doing? Obviously, you've got the remix on XFM. But... There's um, well, there's the remix on XFM. Uh, I guess my Twitter at LTM uh, or there's uh, losersband.co.uk. Is... On to losers. Yeah, yeah. Right. So I just meant yeah, mentioned very briefly. I'm I'm, I'm honoured to play bass for um, uh, in a band called Losers, and um, you know we with Tom uh, Bellamy and uh, yeah, yeah, with Tom from Cooper Temple Claws and uh, uh, Dean, the amazing Dean Pearson um, from. Uh, Young Legionnaire, uh, who's our drummer, and uh, Paul Mullen, who was in the Automatic, and your co-name is Milo. It's a real, uh, it's it's, yeah. it's a real sort of meeting of of uh, kindred spirits, uh, yeah, and and Sammy from IMX, who's uh, our keyboard player, and uh, so we're just uh, you know we're playing on. We've got us, we we've just uh, finished writing our third record, and. Um, and we'll see what happens. You know, we, we, we the last one was really interesting in that it got, you know, we had music used by Game of Thrones twice. Wow. And Hercules and uh, Rain and uh, CSI and uh, Chuck and stuff. And we, we so we seem to be getting um, a lot of love uh, over in Hollywood. Yeah. Um, but, you know, nobody's heard of us here. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but still, the, the way that the, the music industry is going, I guess it's better to, uh, it's better to be, um, you know, and that's, uh, that's I guess, Yes, that's you know that's my only income really these days because yeah. everything is um everything else is for love you know uh, calm and to BCA and yeah. radio pretty much and um, uh, remixing all done for love all yeah. the things that you used to get paid for yeah. in the yeah, old days yeah, yeah. Um, I don't do tell t- me telly about anymore it. actually t- telly was mostly for love I mean you know I, I, I at the time I left MTV my my lovely makeup artist Lindsay was being paid thirty quid more than I was to. To, to produce and present the show yeah. to do my makeup. Yeah, I'm just taking a year off from touring at the moment. I've realised that I'm busier than I've ever been and I can't see anything on the schedule at the moment that's actually paying a wage. So, yeah. so it's kind of, but again, if you know, that, that will last until it, it runs out yeah, <laughs> and, and then, is, then yeah. things will change. Yeah, but. yeah, exactly. You know, you, 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 um, you, you, if you do 
stuff for love, then, you know, you might be skint, but you're going to be really happy. Yeah, exactly. Well, that is a beautiful note to end it on. Thank you very much. It's been an absolute pleasure to sit down. I've, I mean, we've missed half the things I want to talk about. But <laughs> an absolute pleasure to sit and chat with you in general, regardless of on mic and on the podcast. So thank you very much, Mr. Eddie Temple Morris. Right, that was the that was meant to be the that was meant to be the ending there. But as we were leaving, um, me and Eddie were talking about um, a mutual friend, Liam Howlett of the Prodigy, and he started to say, "I've not told you my Prodigy story. It's my best story ever." <laughs> At which point, I stopped him and said, "Well, whether you're allowed to tell it or not, we're getting the mics rolling now, and and we're yeah. having an extra ending here." <laughs> okay, so, this is so I've go never, ahead. The I've big never, ending. I've never said this publicly. This this one. <laughs> Um, and I'm forcing you to now. It might, yeah, it might be slightly close to bone, but in some ways. But I'll, okay, well, so well, it's a story. And um, so when the Prodigy did their uh, greatest hits tour, when Axel yeah. decided to put their greatest hits record together, Liam was in this position of going, "Well, we need a DJ that uh, can play." everything anything in their set and yeah. mix everything like you know and like punk and rock and and uh, you know drum bass and dubstep and everything and yeah. dubstep was only just starting then you know people didn't even really know what it was and um so i was uh, honored to get the call i had never met liam then um i had uh, met keith several times and max several times mm-hmm. through their solo careers and, yeah. and and being supportive of them obviously you know i've i'm on record as saying liam was one of the people that made me the man I am, you know, professionally in, in, and, uh, uh, in terms of, I used to be a rocker like, yeah. like you and yeah, didn't, didn't yeah, used yeah, to get yeah. dance music at all. Yeah. Uh, Acid House was just a noise that happened at yeah, festivals yeah, that yeah. kept me awake in the middle Completely. of the night. And, um, so I, and I absolutely worshiped that band from, from day one. And, um, so I got this call and again, it was like, you know, there's not much money in it, but you get to tour with the Prodigy. And uh, and I was like, I don't care, I'll do it for free. Like, I just, <laughs> yeah, Jesus Christ, this. this is like, this is the greatest thing that's ever happened to me. So um, so then I get I get picked up uh, in in a luxury uh, car um, and uh, thrown together with their guitar player for the first day of this uh, whole full UK tour. And the uh, guitar player was... A little stressed because he'd been given a, a CD of a new version of Firestarter, and it was it was good. Like it, it had this kind of Queens of the Stone Age guitar riff in it. Yeah, and you know, the, Liam likes to switch things up. You know, yeah. live, and he, he'll often make a song faster or bassier yeah. or, or put a, an extra riff in just to give things a little twist live. And I've always admired them for that. And completely to adapt the the I mean the variation of their sound over the years. When I saw them live a few years back, the slight tweaks and adapting so it all fits in one set and all works as one thing rather than it feeling like we're jumping mm. from sound to genre to sound, you know. So, um, and I remember thinking at the time, wow, that's so rock and roll. Like, um, giving your guitar player, giving your band a, a new version of a, of a, of a, Huge. a, a standard like that. Yeah. Uh, on the first day of the tour, you know that's wow, and you're going to have to like do, uh, like rehearse that in sound check. You know that's whew. and so he was sort of getting. It wasn't hard to you know for a guitarist of of uh, the the caliber of of Jim, who, who was their guitarist at that time from Pitch Shifter, you know, a difficult thing to do. Yeah. But at the same time, it's quite rock and roll and very last minute. So anyway, they do this new version of Firestar night one of the tour, and. Um, Keith sang the Firestarter line over the riff, over the guitar riff. And it just didn't make sense to me at all. And right. I remember thinking at the time, oh, this is this is 
not good. Yeah. Um, and uh, uh, and Keith seemed like a bit panicky yeah. and and a bit lost. And I never and I seen you know the prodigy and Keith's always you know majestic oh, on stage yeah, yeah. In, in his own way. And he was like fluffing lyrics and stuff. And it was mm. just it was a moment in the set that just didn't work. And um, so I uh, I just went straight to Keith afterwards and I just went, um, dude, you know, new Firestarter. Like I mean, great that you're doing a new version, but like you're singing a line in the wrong place. And um, and he goes, no, I didn't say that. I, I said, this new version of Firestarter, how, like, why are you, you know, you really yeah. you feel lost with it. And and, uh, and I remember him just being, his shoulders sank and his head sank. And he just goes, oh, Eddie, God, it's just, it's awful. I just, you know, I I, I just, I'm just not feeling it. It's, I'm, I'm, it's not working for me. And, and um, uh, you know, he was really, really lost. I mean, really, yeah. it, was, it was really sad to see. And so I said, oh, well, just, Tell Liam for God's sake, and, yeah. and he goes, no, 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 no. You don't tell Liam anything like that. So um, I went, well, well, for God's sake, just, just tell, just communicate with him. I'm sure he'd be fine. And he goes, no, 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 no. We, we, we don't talk about the music with Liam. It's just that you know, it's just a, a no, no. So I, I thought, well, okay, and and then. I just thought, well, it'll resolve itself. Liam will obviously see that, that Keith's lost yeah. and, and that it's not working. And then night two happened again, but even worse. And and um, Keith was just like a like a lost sheep on stage at this moment where it should be, you know, it should be one of the apex points of the set. And again, I I just uh, I, I remember saying to Max, like, what's going on? Like, and and, and Max just goes, don't say anything to, to anyone. Like, we don't, yeah, you know, yeah. it's, not, it's not it's not you know, it's just a, a given that we don't talk about the music. And I talked to one of the crew. I said, "Look, why doesn't somebody just say something? Yeah. Um, you know." And 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 he goes, "No, no, 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 no." <laughs> I remember just it going, becomes you know, almost it, mythical. It, it, oh, it was, it, oh, I, you know, I was backstage and I was I was having dinner in a oh, brilliant catering. It was my first experience of of touring with a big Tour band catering, and yeah. having like uh, I think it was Eat to the Beat um, doing you know yeah. an actual menu, you know, amazing menu. And uh, and so. Um, so I go, you just talk. And he goes, no, you know, you we don't, it's an unwritten rule. Like, you, you just don't talk about the music with yeah. Liam. You can't do that. And so I just I remember thinking, God, you know, there's just so many people who have so much to lose by saying what they think, by being honest, yeah. or so much to gain. That, you know, obviously Liam's not getting the truth of anyone, you know. And, and I remember, like, with, uh, you know, Baby's Got a Temper. I remember... Um, writing a, a whole page dissection of that track mm. saying that it was the first ever you know I, I, normally a reaction for a record you know the, the, those reactions that they're always yeah, after yeah, the DJs yeah. it's, it's a word or a sentence Brief, at best quote. if you really care about a band it's a paragraph I wrote a side of A4 about that saying how it was a it was a, a dotted line backwards rather than a progression wow. that every Prodigy tune yeah. e up to that point had been and that sampling yourself is, is completely just wrong and, and, and you know so I, and and I was basically like you know you you could do so much better you're the you're the greatest maker of dance music that this country has ever known and will ever know yeah. and you've given us this after this amount of years like no this is wrong Bold, this is you yeah. need to go back to the drawing board and um so and I sent that in you know and and so so echoing that we like they've done it three nights in a row this this new version mm. and it to my ears like it could work it's she was just singing the line in the wrong in the wrong place so on night four i can't remember where it was i'm backstage and um uh you know the boys are just doing that they i've got uh uh 
Keith over there on my left and um, Maxim behind me on, on, on my right. And I'm sitting next to Liam, just having a chat. And, uh, and he goes, so what's this? He says, so um, tell me what you think about, you know, about the set. And I went, um, okay, I've got, I have got something that I, I really need to tell you. <laughs> and, and, and I remember distinctly at the time of saying that, I'm, this, there was this like squeak behind me. And it was the squeak of like leather tightening over <laughs> vinyl. And there's the seats in, in the dressing room were vinyl. And um, Maxim's leather trousers, as his buttocks clenched, just went, gave this little <laughs> squeak. And I remember hearing this little squeak. And then uh, and going, listen, Liam, I've got to, I'm going to be totally honest with you. And, and uh, you can fire me off this tour now and I'll be yeah. the happiest guy in the world because I've toured with the Prodigy you are my favourite band yeah, in the world yeah, yeah, yeah. I you know I I literally think you're you're the greatest thing to ever happen to, to dance music in this country so and I'm doing this for, for fuck all yeah. um, so I, I won't have lost anything in fact I'll, I'll I'll earn because I'll get gigs paying me proper money so you just fire yeah. me and I could actually walk outside of this of this venue and be run over by a bus and die happy yeah. he goes alright then shoot and I go, you're doing Firestarter all wrong. Big pause. And he goes, and Keith looks really nervous. And, and then Liam goes, okay, tell me more. And so I go, well, look, you've, and I explain, you know, doing a new version of something, you know, it's great and everything. But uh, like, you, you, Firestarter is the moment where Keith has to shine the most out of, because of that iconic video, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, that's yeah. the moment that he should shine at the moment. He's wandering around like a lost sheep. You've got him singing the line over the riff. I mean, it's a really cool riff. Down, 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 down. I'm the fire starter. That's where it should yeah, go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. But, I mean, think of it as like a, like, you're a hip-hop head, right? Think yeah. of it as call and response. Think of it as like a classic balance thing. There's a call, there's a response. There's a riff, there's a response. That's what it is. It's just, it's about balance. If you don't put the, the response on top of the riff or on top of the call, it just doesn't, it doesn't yeah. work. Yeah. And then he goes, he just suddenly just he goes, God, you know what? I hadn't thought about that. I, yeah, that's, and he really thought about it. And, and, and he goes, um, yeah, you know what? You're right. Uh, tomorrow, let's uh, boys. We're going to do Firestarter Eddie's way. Amazing. So I changed the way that the prodigy do Firestarter. So um, when I die, I want that put on my gravestone. Yeah. I changed Firestarter. Yeah. Firestarter is now played <laughs> Eddie's so way. For, for, for the, exactly for that tour, they did it my way. And and so here's so Beautiful. here's the punchline: is that the very next night. I'm, and I see them at the front. You know, you come out of the backstage door and you're, you're at the front of the, mm -hmm. of, the, of the venue. And there's sweat pouring down from the ceiling at most of these places. The more further we got away from London and yeah. the more north we go, as you know, more sweat, more yeah. drenching. So I'm there, you know, somewhere fairly north. And uh, they do Firestarter. And um, there's a, this moment where um, Keith kind of eyeballs me and just looks, and he's absolutely rocking it. Brilliant. And, uh, and he eyeballs me and just gives me a little wink. Little so, um, yeah, uh, that was, uh, you know, and the That's moral beautiful. of that is just be honest. Say, yeah. again, we come back to how we started at this, at, at this, this podcast, which is men. Yeah. Communicate, Speaking. talk, just be honest and talk about talk about the white elephant in the room. Yeah. Talk about the thing that makes you uncomfortable. Talk about the thing that you are, you know, not allowed to talk about. And then you will be surprised that 99 times out of 100, good things will happen because of it. Beautiful. Well, once again, thank you very much, Eddie Temple Morris.
you've been listening to Scrooge Pit's Distraction Pieces. That was the wonderful Eddie Temple Morris on Distraction Pieces podcast, episode 30. How much fun was that? I'm sorry that it did overrun slightly there and we did get quite excited, but I think so many important topics were discussed and addressed there. So always a pleasure to talk to Eddie. Um, thank you for tuning in. Um, please subscribe. I mention this all the time and a lot of you don't understand that. It can be long, but if you subscribe, it really helps us. Um, if you subscribe and have automatic download, it helps us even more because it means we get a load of downloads at once, which pops us up the chart, which gets greater exposure and more people can hear things like this that are, you know, talking about men talking and 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 the high rate of suicide i know that's not the cheeriest thing in this podcast to try and push but i think it's the most important so um yeah check that out and also if you can just spread the word word of mouth is absolutely key um just speaking to eddie before we went on air here um he'd never listened to a podcast until the distraction pieces podcast and we get a lot of people who are like that and people think oh i'm not really a podcast person well why not is my question. So if there's any episodes that you think people would like, please tell them specifically and try and spread the word. If you enjoyed this one and this is your first one, I recommend you check out. I mean, we've referenced the Danny Wallace one several times, the Zane Lowe one. Um, yeah, there's a lot of great ones. We've got a long list, so check them out. I will leave you now. And next week, we've got Ricky Hall, who is a model and generally a wonderful person. Um, I'll tell you a little secret. He'll be annoyed. I've told you, but it was adorable um, how nervous he's been about it. He's on Instagram. He's got, I think, over 300,000 followers. Um Again, you may not think a model is going to be an interesting chat. I guarantee it is because he's someone that's not asked to talk that much. And it's an interesting thing. He was cited in numerous newspapers as having the most important haircut in the world at the moment or most influential haircut because he was one of the first to have the kind of short sides with the quiff and all this kind of thing. But yeah, genuinely a lovely and interesting dude. He's also going to be talking about... um, what has caused him to stop drinking alcohol and things like that. So it's going to be a fun one. There's going to be some good stories, but there's also going to be a lot of interesting stuff. So check that out next week. Subscribe, etc., etc. My name is Scroobius Pip. I'm on at Scroobius Pipio. This has been the Distraction Pieces podcast, episode 30. See you next week.